We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he will be teaching through a series on Titus. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here's Pastor Stuart. If I can entitle this message today is the responsibility of employees. Listen, there's no greater mission field than the workplace. There's no greater missionary than an employee. Most of us work the majority of our lives, and I think we can all say we've had good bosses and we've had bad bosses. The heart of this section deals ultimately with submission to authority. Paul in this letter to Titus does not address what's most apparent, that is the moral aspect of slavery, but rather addresses the necessity for submission to the authority over one bond servant. We live in a day when obviously slavery is not common. Acceptable, at least it ought not be. We should do everything in our power to stand against human trafficking, slavery, and racism because it is not biblical. It is not honoring to God. Why? Because we are all created in the image of God. We are all God bearers, regardless of your color, your ethnicity, your social standing. And we just need to be very clear on that because that's very important. But nevertheless, the intention of Paul's instruction here to Titus within the context, rather, is the intention of mission for the purpose of leading people to Jesus Christ. We've dealt with the topic of leadership in the first chapter. And the importance of godly leaders as the foundation for a healthy church. As we've addressed we, we have been dealing with membership. And up until this point, Paul has addressed members based off of their age and their gender. But here, there's a change. There's a social standing. Nevertheless, there is a role to play. Here, Paul's Titus does not focus on reforming or restructuring human systems, whether right or whether wrong, but Paul's ultimate goal is to reach even those owners of slaves for Christ on the island of Crete. Because the issue is a sin issue. And once the sin is addressed, the actions can be addressed. There's no reason to address the action without addressing the root problem, which is sin. Salvation must be imparted to see a fruit change. He wants to draw his owners, these owners, towards a relationship with Jesus. Now, Paul is a man on a mission. Paul is a man that has become all things to all men that he might win some to Christ. I think Paul can understand what it is to be under intense suffering and pain and yet stand faithful for the sake of Christ. Nevertheless, Paul doesn't face 
hideous slavery, even though the Roman Empire, as one commentator suggested, depend uh, on the most uh, of its laborers during this time period. It was an, in uh, an instrumental part of the economical system. Paul's intention here is not to address that issue, but rather his desire is for the membership of the body of Christ to fulfill their God-given role. And for these bondservants who were owned by their masters, they were to submit to their masters, and in doing so, the kingdom of God would be furthered. Now, while we don't again live in a day when slavery is acceptable, and rightly so, we, we have a hard time sometimes applying passage of scripture to our lives today i think there's a great gospel opportunity within these words as well but i believe that we can apply it under the con the, the current culture in which we live and we find ourselves you may ask well how well we live in a culture when most of us learns to submit to a boss that is over us and here I believe we can all understand what it is to be an employee and to submit to somebody who is over us. Whether that be a good boss or a bad boss. Why? Because your workplace, listen, is a mission field. And how you deal with bad bosses reveals an opportunity to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. To even grow us as individuals in our relationship with the Lord. Because I don't know about you, but in those days in which I had to submit to bad bosses, and I can promise you I've been under them, God grew me in my sanctification. And in my obedience to them, I pray that I was a reflection of Jesus Christ to them. While we are not slaves to man, we are indeed slaves to Christ. As you see, God can use me. If God can use you, He can use anybody. We are all created in the image of God. We all have the same sin problem. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the height of His creation. And Genesis 1 and 2 was humanity and He created us in His very image. Sin and sin entered into the world and we all have inherited this sin nature. And yet God in His grace gives us the love and mercy of Jesus Christ who very equally submitted to the Father. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus no matter where we are in the body of Christ. No matter who we work for. No matter how good or how bad they are. So if you will, turn with me to the book of Titus chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 9 to 10. He says here in verse, urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything. To be well pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. 
There are really three things that I think that we can find in this portion of Scripture that will help us as we walk and as we live out this Christian life in these days and ages in which we live. First, I want you to see that we need to be subject. Secondly, we need to be sanctified. And thirdly, we need to be successful. There is a reality that the workers should be first subject. I think it's safe to say that we live in a society that wants to be subject to no one or no thing. At least the world I'm growing up in and I'm watching and I'm observing, we live in a day when people don't want to be subject to the police. We live in a day when people don't want to be subject to the governing authorities. Kids don't want to submit unto their parents. Wives don't want to hear the word submissive in relationship to the husband that God has given them. Husbands don't want to submit to God and how they are to manage and organize their family and to lead well and to love their wives as Christ loved the church and to honor their children. We don't want to submit to God as to what is good and what is evil. We like to define what is good and evil. And thus, we live in a culture that's calling evil good and good evil and they've got it all messed up. We don't plainly like to submit to anything or anyone in reality. We like our own authority. We actually like being our own little gods. That, that, that's the bottom line. In just about every way, the culture we live wants nothing to do with being submissive. Because we like being in control of our lives. We like to make our own decisions and we want no one telling us what to do. And we will go as far as even telling God what we want and don't want. We like telling God we don't want His input. That's the culture for which you're, you're raising your children in. Who, who, who will take the very Word of God which is sufficient and good and pleasing and all authoritative and we'll just throw it out the window and say, that's not what I feel. Well, you know what? You might have had a burrito. And you might have indigestion. But it ain't biblical. The reality is, is we are all called to submit in some fashion, shape, or form. We do it all under the umbrella, don't we? I believe God would want this. I think God would want me to have this. It really doesn't matter what I believe or even what I think. What matters is what the Word of God says. And what we need to get back to is to the Word of God. Because what's happening in our culture is nauseating. What's happening in the churches behind the pulpits is nauseating. They, they, they're tickling the ears of people rather than proclaiming and preaching the Word of God. We need to be ultimately to the Word of God. 
Who are we as God's creation to speak back to the creator of the universe? As if we are something special? Somebody important? Stuart, who are you? You're nothing apart from Christ, Stuart. So just keep your big trap shut. Get up there, open the Word of God, and preach the Word. And let me do what I do through my Word, not through your entertaining pitches. His Word is sufficient. Do do we grasp that? Sufficient. It is absolutely sustaining. So much so, and even the Sunday school, we talked about the temptations of Jesus. And where did he run? The foundation of victory is the Word of God. And so we see that we need to be obedient to the Word of God. And thus, Paul. Titus in in verse 9 urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything. Let's just think for a second. I I think everybody in this room and everybody watching can agree that, that slavery, that owning someone is absolutely devastating. But if Paul thought it appropriate to tell Titus, to tell slaves to obey their masters in everything, then how much more should we, who were not owned by slaves, but owned by Christ, to submit? Even to a bad boss. whoop de doo I'm sorry you got a bad boss. And he's telling you to do things you don't want to do. I tell my kids, suck it up, buttercup. Deal with it. Welcome to the real world. This ain't Narnia. Whatever that is. Listen, I'm sorry that your boss is a bad boss. But listen, you need to submit to them. Or... Find a new job. He will provide a way of escape. If you can't submit to your boss, find a new job where you can honor Christ by honoring your boss. That's important. Stuck. You're not owned. You're not a slave by anyone or anything. You are a child of God. He bought you on Calvary. This wasn't just a side thought. This is something that has consistently throughout the Scriptures been taught. In Ephesians 6, 5 and 6, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to with fear and trembling and sincerity in heart as to what? Christ. Not by way of eye service, men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. Paul understands that that this is an extension of their relationship to Jesus Christ. Notice he says it's doing the will of God which is submitting. 
So as you submit to those authority and over you, we should be teaching our children to be submissive as unto Christ. Here again, Paul says in Colossians 3, 22 and 23, Slave, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth with external services, those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart. That, that's like the kid in the back seat where mom and dad say, sit down, boy, sit down, boy. And he says, yes, sir, I'm sitting down, but inside I'm standing up. That's our God is always about the heart. Being about who you are internally. Who you are when no one else is around. God sees all. Knows all. And is in all. But He says, rather with sincerity of heart. See? Heart. Fearing the Lord. Doing it because of your obedience to Almighty God. Whatever you do, do it work heartily. As for the Lord rather than for men. It's called to be submissive, not rebellious people. Why? Well, if we're going to continue reading in Colossians 3.24, he says, knowing that the Lord will receive the reward of the inheritance. This life is but a vapor in light of eternity. It's the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve. You serve that boss, no matter how bad he is, as if you're serving Christ. And you will honor God and His name. And again, if you can't handle it, get out from underneath it and go find another job. But nevertheless, now let me ask you a question. Do you do that? We need to understand and know that the workplace field. God doesn't place you somewhere on accident. I'm certain that when I was working for the elevator business and that first day on a high rise in downtown Atlanta when they told me to go ask that man, ask, ask that tiny would be so tiny. And sure enough, he was almost 6'6", 350 pounds. And he was a bad boss. He would walk me out on that six inch beam, hundred plus stories tall, say, hand me a wrench. And I would say, yes, sir. And I'd go hand him a wrench and I'd give it to him. And he'd go, oops, I dropped it. Headache! Oh, would you go get that wrench, Stuart? Yes, sir. And I'd go down and I'd get the wrench and I'd come back up and He'd go hand me a wrench and I'd hand him the wrench. And see, my dad was in the elevator business for 35 years and he said, Beware, son. He prepared me. And I would give him the wrench and he'd go, I dropped it again. Go get it. Finally, I went down and got it and I came up that buck hoist and I said, Listen, Bubba, I get paid by the hour. I'll place this wrench all day long or we can get to business and get some work done. We are called to obey. Bad bosses, obey you. The people you able to see a reflection of the glory and honor of God in your life and the way you serve them. 
and the way you work for them and the way you honor them and your role as your boss. You're imploring those who work with you are able to see if you're a patient person. And nothing like a bad boss to teach you patience. How you handle others. Are you able to see the glory of God by the way you serve those God has over you? So the nevertheless, they're able to see if not only you're loving or not loving, they're able to see if you are concerned about yourself or if you're concerned about others. They're able to see if you've been an honest employee or a dishonest employee. They are able to see how you treat others in your speech. Do you build up people or do you break them down? Because many times in being a boss, you're not the boss boss. There's a boss over you as a boss. And it just trickles downhill. So it's a great place for workers to see their own bosses treat them who work for them as well. How are you as a boss treating your employees? We have a lot of business owners in this church. And you are the boss. How do you treat them? Sometimes you get a bad boss and because you're faithfulness and submitting to what God has called you to do in their lives, very well win them over to Christ. It is totally the Lord. You will receive the reward of the inheritance. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ in your submitting is who you're serving. There's no greater mission field than the workplace. And we're called to do everything we do into the glory of God, which includes how we respond to those God has placed in authority over us. It isn't enough. This is not some casual mishap or Paul slips in and says, no, Paul has apostolic authority. He is speaking the very little word of God. And so he says... 1 Timothy 6.1 Let all who are under the yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and our doctrine may not be spoken against. You're given no ammunition for them to have against you by the way you submit to them. It should be common expectation that the greatest of employees in all of the world are those who are followers of Jesus. They are supposed to they do to the glory of God. And they honor their authorities by honoring their bosses and authorities. They're ultimately serving Jesus Christ. And so Paul calls Titus to urge slaves to be subject to everything. Does that bother you? That bothered me. In in everything? Like really everything? So even if it's wrong, submit to them. What what if I told you as a wife you're to submit to your husband in everything? Because when I stood at that door and that woman said, my husband abused me, am I supposed to submit to him then? Of course not. 
Even those things that God says no to, no, we should not submit to. To be subject in everything necessarily excluded demands that were contrary to God's law. For example, in Acts 5.29, it says when they were called to no longer preach, they said, yes, sir, we ain't going to preach no more. No, that's not what they did. They said, no, we must obey God rather than man. This means there's a limit. Only that which goes against the law of God. In Exodus 1, the Egyptian Pharaoh gave clear command. Remember that? To the Hebrew midwives, they were to what? Kill all the midwives. Now we know the Bible says that the midwives disobeyed Pharaoh. Exodus 1.17 says, But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. The Bible goes on to say that the midwives actually lied to Pharaoh. In 20, the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, they are vigorous and they give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives. And the people multiplied and became very mightily. And because the midwives feared God, He established the households for them. Even though they were not honest, we are told that God was good to the midwives. Why? Because the request was against the law of God. So there seems to be a reality in which we were called things that, that are contrary to God's standard. We are allowed not. Now, contextually speaking, these people were owned by the slaves. They weren't even property of themselves. But nevertheless, there was a limitation. Joshua 2, Rahab directly disobeyed a command from the king of Jericho, remember? To produce the Israelite spies who had entered into the city and gained intelligence for battle. Instead, what did she do? She let them down and escape. First king chapter briefly introduces by the name of Obadiah, who took a hundred of them and or when the, when the queen Jezebel was called to kill God's prophet, he took a hundred of them and hid them. He disobeyed. Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down and worship an altar. They said no to an authority that God had put over them. Why? Because it went against the law of God. Chapter 6, Harris calls to pray. Anyone but the king, Daniel defies the king. And he prays to his God. The God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. Because God calls us to pray only to Him. That's important. If you hear somebody praying to someone other than God, their prayers are in error. And it ought to strike up a real concern. But nevertheless, Daniel was faithful to praying to God. So listen, if your boss asks you to do something that's unbiblical, then you can refuse to do that. But when you refuse to do that, be ready for the consequences. You're probably going to get fired. 
If a governing authority, authority over you calls you to do something, whether it be a husband, whether it be a church leader, whether it be a president or king or an authority over you that's contrary to the word of God, they are out of line and we are not required to obey it. But be ready for the consequences, which may be off with your head. (laughs) But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think we think that in our disobedience there won't be consequences. When you reap, so if you're obedient to the Word of God, you will reap that. God will be glorified. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they obeyed God and not man, and they're thrown into the fiery furnace, and they're delivered. So there is that side. God can miraculously do things if He wants. He's God. But nevertheless, it certainly isn't the common thing. But nevertheless, we need to be prepared for the consequences of obedience to God rather than man. You may lose your job. You may lose your benefits. You may lose your standing. You may even go to jail. But nevertheless, we are to obey God, not man, when it contradicts the Word of God. So there is an out. God will always provide a way of escape to the temptations of bowing down and worshiping man rather than God. But not every demand of a boss is unbiblical. You may not like it. Not every demand of the governing of biblical. You may not like it. Not every demand of any authority over you is unbiblical. Though you may not like it, you should buy, you should be obedient. To Christ's submission if it doesn't contradict the Word of God or find another job. So when you think your boss is overbearing, submit. Honor Christ. When you think you're not enough, submit. Honor Christ until you can find you a job that actually pays you enough. When you're called to do something that seems impossible, you ever had one of those bosses expect you to do Everything above your ability. Give it a shot. Try it. Do your best. Submit to it. If he says dig that hole, dig that hole. An excavator sitting right there. Dig it anyways. Why? Because in your obedience to Him, you're being obedient to Christ. Scripture over and over and over and over and over calls us to do that. Even here in 1 Peter, we are reminded of this kind of faith to Him, the Lord, and that it Him. 1 Peter 2.18 says, Servants, be subject to your own masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also those who are harsh. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience towards God, a person endures grief with, when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if when you sin you are harshly treated? You're simply getting what you deserve then. You endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right, suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So let me ask you what kind of employee you are. Are you one who finds favor with God 
Are you one that is miserable and unhappy and causes trouble? The one that talks about the boss when he's not there? The one that complains to all the other employees, you know, Jeffrey makes more than me and I've been working here longer than him and blah, blah, blah. Right? We're called to be submissive to the authority. So not only are we called, firstly, to be subject, we're also called to be sanctified. Paul continues to point out to Titus what he should expect of those under the authority of their bosses. Here he, he dives into four different qualities that is to be expected for us to live by. He says in verse 9, B and A, they are to be subject to their masters in everything, to well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pill all good faith. Here the first uh, uh, to be subject in a way that is well-pleasing. Most commentators agree that the Greek word as we translate into English pleasing as Big Dag defines it is acceptable to God. So we come up with Romans 12 2 of slaves, of employees that is to be to that which is give satisfaction to their masters. We, we ought to be acceptable to them. We ought to bring them satisfaction. They ought to be pleased to say, Stuart is an excellent employee. He's such a hard worker. He does even that which is hard. He, he doesn't back talk. He, he doesn't cause problems. He just puts his head to the ground and grinds it out and gets the job done. So let me ask you a question. Your servant, your that brings him satisfaction. Submitting to your authority in a way that is honoring to God. I truly believe if we started this way, business owners would be seeking out Christians to hire. But unfortunately, I don't think that's the case. At least not the one business owners that I talk to should be though, shouldn't it? We have to make sure we're living out our lives as Christians in a way that honors God, which sanctifies and satisfies those for. And if we find ourselves in a situation circumstances are too hard for us to handle, we cannot honor our boss, therefore we cannot honor God whatever the reason may be, then it should be wise of you to choose a different career. Seek out another job as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ so that no matter what, you can honor the Lord with your hands. Do. Because God ultimately calls us to be pleasing to them. Because when you're being pleasing to them, you're pleasing to God. And that's the same idea in Romans 12 too. When it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable. There's the word. Same Greek word. Please the Lord. It calls us not only to be well-pleasing, but says that we are to not be argumentative. If you can't say amen, you got to say ouch here. Now I know this is hard for some folks. 
Because deep down inside that old nature, you want to argue and be right. And that is from pride. And I believe pride is the root of all sin. And when you fall into that and you allow that pride to rise up and you want to argue with the man who is over you, pride becomes king. Matter of fact, the Scripture reminds us as Christians we are new creations in Christ though. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. We should have a different nature. Right? We should be bent towards righteousness rather than unrighteousness. We should be bent towards living out the Spirit and not the flesh. Because I can tell you... If you see me coming out, there's old flesh in there still. Remind me, hey, hey, Pastor, that's the flesh. That ain't spirit filled. The nature of how we respond that honors God. That is a nature that considers better other better's, others better themselves. This is a nature that speaks in a way that is exalting to others rather than condemning, rather than arguing and complaining and grumbling. Simply this, you should not talk back to your boss. Young people, kids, listen to me very clearly, especially Guthrie's. Don't talk back to your mama and your daddy. All the kids nod. Yes, sir. That's right. We, we don't talk back to our parents. Why? Because God has put them in authority over you. And they do know more than you. Even though sometimes you don't think so. But nevertheless, Scripture reminds us that we are not to be argumentative. Don't be that person. I know that being argumentative for many is a way of life. For some people. But this is unfortunately. Should not be your habit. But it is for some Christians. They would rather win the battle. And lose the war. See when you're in ministry for the long haul. Sometimes those short term battles. That you want to win. Aren't worthy of winning. Because it will lose the battle in the end. There's a grander purpose. I love John MacArthur's perspective. Here as he reminds that the prohibition does not refer to standing up for our convictions, for what we believe is right and proper and God-honoring, but rather standing up merely for our own interest and preferences. Again, many, many of you may need to leave your job to find something else that you can do to honor God. But going into a workplace and blaspheming your boss, speaking and being argumentative because you don't like your job is not an acceptable behavior for a believer. If you're argumentative, you're not being submissive. And if you're not submissive, then you're not honoring God. It's that simple. We make it more complicated than what it is. I mean, I probably could have just got up here, said that, sat down and said, Amen, hallelujah, let's go. When your boss asks you to do something and his commands are not directly a violation of God's laws or command, 
then you should do it with joy or find another job. Don't be complaining to your buddies that you don't get paid enough, that you work too hard. I have to do this. Nobody else has to do that. If you can't handle it, it's old saying, if you can't handle the heat, get out the kitchen. Same idea here. Find another job. Whatever you do, though, do it to the honor and glory of God. Because we are all called to submit to somebody. I mean, we've just gone over the last few weeks of, of, of each age and gender of submission and who is to submit to who and, and the roles and responsibilities within the household of God. We all have a responsibility to whom we are to submit. If we think about Jesus Christ submitting to the Father, willingly, obediently, sufficiently going to the cross and dying on our behalf that we might have the righteousness of Christ. Aren't you glad He didn't complain? Aren't you glad He wasn't argumentative? But that He simply obeyed the call of the Father to give up His life a ransom for many. I mean, I think about that for a moment. God left the confines of heaven, became a man. He was a boss who became a servant. He was a king who came in on a donkey. Oh, he'll come back on a white horse. Don't worry. He's coming back. And when he comes back, he is coming back to judge the world of sin. And it will be too late. But nevertheless, isn't it a wonderful thing that we can have such a great example in Jesus Christ who gave up His life that we might live, who became a substitution, who took upon your sin on Him that you might be forgiven and redeemed and set free. He willingly, obediently, sufficiently gave His life for me and for you, and He was pierced through for our iniquities, and yet He did not cry about it. He did not complain to the Father. They nailed Him to the cross, and He bled and He died that we might be set free. To that pain and suffering and that obedience to the Father, He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Maybe, Maybe your boss is not a believer. And maybe we should be more like Christ and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But through my obedience, Father, draw them to the cross. Doesn't mean we don't share Jesus with them. We have to. Our actions never save anybody. He says, sanctify them in that truth. But nevertheless, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, when we look through the lens of Christ, He is the centerpiece of all Scripture. Then we can see how great of a necessity it is for us to walk by faith, trusting in God that we can serve our Lord by serving our bosses, even when they are nasty things. 
I mean, even while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. And all of our nastiness, and all of our sinful behaviors, and all of our unrighteousness, and all of our wickedness, God demonstrated His love toward us, and while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. So not only are we to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, we are called not to pilfer. He says, not pilfering. This would be for someone who didn't have uh, the, the essential needs, and maybe they were under the, the authority of a master that was nasty and ugly, and it would be a great responsibility sometimes that the master would give to his slave to handle the finances. And there would be a temptation maybe to take from him. I mean, there would be some kind of, maybe some kind of satisfaction in realizing you've pilfered from the man who has been dishonest to you who has treated you wrongly, who has misused you. And so there might be some internal satisfaction I, I took from him and he didn't catch me. Nevertheless, Paul and Titus, to be reminding these folks that they are to not be thieves, pilfering, stealing by embezzlement. I mean, haven't we all heard the stories about people who have embezzled money? from companies for years that they've worked for. I, uh, I got some news uh, some time ago from a church that I was very familiar with that caught the administrative assistant stealing money and embezzled over $65,000 from the church. Gambling. If it worked, by the way, but didn't be able to pay it back. Gambling's always designed to get in your pocket. Nevertheless, we're not to pilfer from our bosses. This seems very simple, doesn't it? Thou shalt not steal. God is your provider. Not more, not less than what He intends you to have. And when we are led by the temptation of pilfering or stealing, then what we're doing is we're not satisfied with what God has given us. And I think we can all agree that we've been in those situations, haven't we? All greased finances and material things are very wrong. But let me ask you this, what about our time? I mean, if you're getting paid to, to, to do a job and you appeal for your time, is, is that just as equally wrong? When you're doing this and you're doing that and maybe you're in the office and you're supposed to be working and you find yourself on Facebook all day long. If your boss is paying you to do a job, you ought to be doing that job to the glory of God and not be stealing time. It's an integrity issue, isn't it? And for the believer, that person that's placed their faith in Jesus Christ has been born again, they should obviously live a life 
the honoring to God. And if we're stealing, pilfering our time, finances, adding a little extra expenses on our time or whatever the case may be, this is really not our call to do. We're not honoring God when we do it. So not only are you to be well-pleasing, not only not be argumentative, not only are you to not be a thief and pilfering, but you are to show all, show, but be, be showing all good faith. He starts here with this three-letter word, E-U. It really, this indicates Paul's absolute rejection for this negative behavior. And rather, Paul wants Titus to call these persons to positive characteristics of complete trustworthiness. Called to be of good Whatever you do as a believer is called to do as unto God. Paul is indicating that we as Christians are to be trustworthy, reliable, dependable, even when we are not being watched by our authority. to them. And you, are, you do not exemplify this Christ-like characteristic, then you are progressively not being sanctified for the better. Because you have a new heart, a, you are a new creation in Christ, we are expected to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. And be absolutely honoring to the Lord. So are we living this out among those who are in authority over us? It ought to make us a little uncomfortable. Because most of us in here will work for somebody. And you will answer to those above you and you will either honor your Lord and your Savior Jesus Christ by the way you honor them or you will dishonor him by the way you submit so we're called to be sanctified to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ so yes we are to be subject we're to be sanctified but lastly as a result of living this kind of life out we're to be successful Paul finishes this section with a reason for living this kind of life out he says, you should be showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. God wants you to walk out the victorious Christian life. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 reminds us He will provide a way of escape. If you are being tempted to steal, pilfer, to dishonor your boss, to be disobedient, to not be well-pleasing, to be argumentative. Look for the way of escape. It'll be rooted in the Word of God. The Greek word here, I always find it interesting, comes from, the, the Greek word here is cosmio. It's where we get our English word cosmos. And so here, he's talking about adorning the doctrine, making it pretty, making sure it looks beautiful. 
I mean, most of you ladies probably this morning woke up really early and adorned yourself. Right? Thing it's the way it is, and some of you men maybe do the same thing. I don't know. It'd be a little awkward unless you're going on TV or something, and you got to get the glare. It's okay, but but nevertheless, he's trying to communicate. By the way, you honor your balls, you adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior Jesus Christ, by your obedience, the Lord to to the Lord Jesus Christ to a with balls and. Culture draws attention to the Lord because you've made it adorned. You've beautified it. You've put the cosmetics on. I mean, Christ has given us everything that we might have life. Can't we at least sacrifice our pride, our ability to be right, of our lifestyle that we might honor and exalt the Lord in every respect of how we live out our lives. He has sacrificed it all for us. And He calls us to take up our cross daily and follow Him. Jesus said, hey, if, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Listen, a servant to Christ Forget the bad bosses right now. This is about your relationship to your Savior, Jesus Christ. Deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Jesus didn't deny Himself. Taking on the form of a servant. That's why we had Scott read John 13. See, wash the feet of the disciples. God left heaven the King of kings and Lord of lords and bowed down and washed the feet of His disciples. An obedient servant as an example for you and me to follow. So when your boss asks you to do something, do it in a way that gives glory to God. Don't leave any room that they might speak poorly Rather adorn God. I mean, glory, the creator of heavens. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of, of all creations. For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or dominions or rulers or authority. All things have been created through him. For him, he is above all things, and in him all things hold together, and he became a servant. How much more should we serve one another, serve a bad boss, when we can biblically? Tell me again why we're unwilling to submit to the authority that God has placed over us outside of contradicting the commands of God. It's pure pride and unwillingness to die for self, not for the sake of anybody other than God Himself. Philippians 2, 1 and 10, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, any fellowship, 
spirit, any affection or compassion. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Maintaining the same love. United in spirit, intent for one purpose. Doing nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but with humility consider others more important than yourselves. Don't merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ. Already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee will bow and every tongue confess those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord, even to the glory of God. If He willingly submitted How much more should we? How much more should we? Would you put your faith in Christ today first? Submit to the call of God in your life. Listen, your salvation is not by your deeds, your efforts, your your works. Galatians 2.20 says, if you could keep, be saved by keeping the law, then Jesus didn't need to die on the cross. You just needed to be good enough. No, but the Father sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die that you might have life. And the Bible says you lack one thing, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. And when you put your faith in Christ, and you become a new creation in Christ, and He comes to live in you, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can be obedient to even a bad boss, to a difficult situation where he was willing to give up his life. And so he calls each one of us to take up our cross daily and follow him. So are you submitting well to those in authority over you? Because how you submit to them shows how you submit to God. Thank you for listening to our program today. We pray that you were blessed and trust that you will join us again as Pastor Stuart Guthrie preaches through his new series on the book of Titus. If you do not have a church home, Pastor Stuart Guthrie would like to personally invite you to join in person at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, or you can visit them on their website at familybiblefellowship.org. May God bless you this week as you walk with him.